Today's scripture comes from the book of James, chapter 3, verses 3 through 12. When we bridle horses and put bits in their mouths to lead them wherever we want, we can control their whole bodies. Consider ships. They are so large that strong winds are needed to drive them, but pilots direct their ships wherever they want with a little rudder. In the same way, even though the tongue is a small part of the body, it boasts wildly. Think about this. A small flame can set a whole forest on fire. The tongue is a small flame of fire. A world at evil at work in us. It contaminates our entire lives. Because of it, the circle of life is set on fire. The tongue itself is set on fire by the flames of hell. People can tame and already have tamed every kind of animal, bird, reptile, and fish. No one can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With it, we both bless the Lord, the, our Father, and curse human beings made in God's likeness. Blessing and cursing come from the same mouth. My brothers and sisters, it just shouldn't be this way. Both fresh water and salt water don't come from the same spring, do they? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree produce olives? Can a grapevine produce figs? Of course not. And fresh water doesn't flow from a salt water spring either. The word of God for the people of God. Will you pray with me? Gracious and holy God, this morning we await a word from you. And I ask that the words of my mouth, that the meditation of all of our hearts would be acceptable in your sight. The Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. Today begins a, a three-week series called Can We Talk? And I'll be preaching the first two of those, and then Kenny Shortsleeve will preach the third of those. It is a timely topic as we think about those, those issues that are so hard and cause so much division. And, and so in preparation for this, I actually called a meeting um, not too long ago of all the folks in the church who... Um, exactly think the same way on all points of theology and on politics. <laughs> because we know that wherever two or three are gathered, there are at least that many opinions. So it's a very small meeting. <laughs> but you know, today there are so many of those sort of hot button topics. Um, it is true in the church. It is true in the culture. In the United Methodist Church, for example, we've been in existence for 52 years. We were formed in 1968 when the Evangelical United Brethren and the Methodist Church joined together to create the United Methodist Church. And for about 48 of those 52 years, the church has struggled with this issue of inclusion for LGBTQ persons in the full life of the church. 
It has moved to sort of a boiling pot here more recently. We have a general conference coming this coming May. There have been lots of proposals that have been put forth. Most recently, uh, one that hit the mainstream media called the Protocol, um, and which announced that we had already split. So let me give you a little word about polity in the United Methodist Church. Only the general conference speaks for the United Methodist Church, and nothing has been decided yet. I was at a conference or a district meeting last Sunday, and our district superintendent, Kip Giltz, and somebody from the conference office, um, they did a presentation on this, the protocol, the one that hit the media, um, and, and they talked to us about you know, some of the finer points of that, but then they said, Nothing has been decided yet. They made us repeat that three times. Nothing has been decided yet because nobody but General Conference can make that decision. And so it is that we go into May with a lot of prayer, but, and, and most of the proposals do, in fact, have some sort of spinning off of additional denominations, but particularly around this issue. Um, but nothing has been decided yet. We'll talk more about that in some other weeks. Additionally, in our political culture, it is so full of hateful language for opponents. The rhetoric that we hear from all sides and that unfortunately even Christians participate in, friends, it's appalling. And for me as your pastor, the issue on both of these issues in the church and in the culture for me, it is not primarily about who is correct, either theologically or politically. For me, the issue is the people that I have been entrusted by God to sort of help oversee your spirits. The question is, are we being a witness for Christ in our lives and in our speech or do we by our lives or by our speech hurt the cause of Christ? That's the issue for me. You see, we live in a culture that has mostly already decided that the institutional church is dying, and for many people, they say good riddance. And that breaks God's heart. Because it is the church that is the hope of the world. It is the church that is called the body of Christ at work in the world today. It is the church that is called the bride of Christ. And it breaks my heart as well. And so it is that I wanted to help us to engage with each other um, in, these, in these issues where there are such differently held viewpoints on really difficult issues so that... No matter what happens, whatever way General Conference votes in May, no matter who is in office come November, that what our community will say about Atascacita United Methodist Church is that those people know how to love each other, that those people know how to serve our community in the name of Jesus Christ, that those people are trustworthy, and that that is the kind of a community that I want to belong to. In the book of James, 
In chapter 1, James writes, You must understand this, my beloved. Let everyone be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger, for your anger does not produce God's righteousness. So I want to spend just a, a little bit of time talking about what that means to be quick to listen and slow to speak. Because part of what I know that it means, and it means that we have a sense of humility and a sense of respect for other people. It means that we take the time to actually listen to other people instead of just waiting for that opening to speak our opinion. Have you ever noticed in your own life how in almost every situation, if we quickly speak exactly what is on our minds, it just doesn't really go very well. <laughs> it just simply doesn't help people. Have you ever solved a problem in your marriage by being that loud, dominant voice over and over again? Has it ever been effective when you have immediately fired back when someone has corrected you? What about in meetings at work? Does it make people more productive if you consistently shoot down every idea that they have? Friends, there is a, a beauty and a power in being slow to speak. It transforms our relationships, and it allows us to hear the Holy Spirit speak to us before we speak to others. In other words, when we slow down enough to wait to respond to someone else, it gives the Spirit time to prompt us on the best words to say. To be slow to speak means that we let the other person express themselves. We let them finish. We're, we really, really listen to them. We're not, again, just listening for an opening. We can't respond properly if we haven't first really heard the other person. You've heard the old saying, right? You've got two ears and one mouth for a reason, right? That's about the proportion that we should listen and that we should speak. Another is that we thank the person. We thank the person who has a different opinion than us for being willing to speak with us about that. Now, there are some folks who thrive on conflict, but you know what? Most of us are not that person. <laughs> For most of us, bringing ourselves into a situation that we know is different or opposed to the way that the person we're going to be speaking to, that is a fearful thing to do that. So one of the things that we can do is to thank that person for being willing to have a conversation with us. Being quick to listen and slow to speak, it also means that we're not always offended just because somebody disagrees with us or corrects us. We have a tendency to take things pretty personally. It's like we all have this uh, internal defense attorney that immediately yells, objection, whenever anybody disagrees with us or corrects us. And mostly, that really has to do with our pride. And we need to be able to step back and remember that because somebody disagrees with us or corrects us does not mean that they are personally attacking us. 
to be quick to listen and slow to speak. It means that we genuinely want to understand what the other person is saying. It means we really want to learn how to see the issue from their perspective. We recognize that only God has the perfect perspective on all issues. That only God understands every issue perfectly. That only God knows the motives of all persons' hearts. And that only God understands God's word perfectly. Our perspective, it may well be right. But it could also be wrong. <laughs> it could also be imperfect. And we consider that we may need to really hear the other person. And even that they might be right, even if we can't hear it now. We also realize as we are being quick to listen and slow to speak that, that even if there, the things the, the conversation is with somebody that we disagree with, that there are still some things that we can learn from them just by listening. Even if all we learn is that there are some people who see the issue differently than we do. Even if all we learn is that there are some people who struggle with issues that we just don't struggle with. Even if what we learn is simply how to help someone else. And then after we have been quick to listen and slow to speak, when it is our time to speak, when we share our thoughts, we share them with gentleness and without anger. For some reason, sometimes we think if we just speak it forcefully or with enough anger, we're going to change somebody else's mind about something. We forget that in the book of James, the Bible says that our anger does not bring about God's righteousness. It doesn't bring about the life that God requires. And to be quick to listen means that we trust God's timing. We don't have to win this argument right now. We can freely share our perspective, and then we can leave it up to the Lord to show the other person our side of things. And it may not even be during the current discussion. We both may need time to consider each other's perspective. One of the little um, acrostics that sort of help bring this home uh, is the acrostic for think. It's, it's in your bulletin along with a lot of other things about this sermon. But it's in there, and, it, and it's a great way to be slow to speak. Before you speak... You ask yourself a series of questions. Is what I'm about to say true? Is it true? Am I just spreading what somebody else says because it will inflame the situation, or is it true? Even more than true, is it helpful? Is it helpful to the situation right now, to this relationship, to this um, conversation? Is it inspirational? Friends, you and I bear the name Christian. The words that come from our mouth should reflect our faith? Is what we're saying in some sense inspirational? And is it necessary? 
Is it, is it really necessary right now for you to be able to share what it is that you're about to say? And for the K, is it kind? A good little judge that helps us to be slow to speak as we think before we speak. I was with uh, some women this past Tuesday at a women's Bible study, and somebody in the class said, you know, this is sort of the way they judge the way when, what they want to hold themselves to. Anything that you want to say, does it, first of all, even need to be said? <laughs> Second of all, does it need to be said by me? And does it need to be said now? Three great questions, I think, that we can ask ourselves when we are tempted to speak quickly before we, before we have time to allow for the Holy Spirit. And friends, it'll, it, this means our spoken word, but I think in some sense it's even more important in our social media because what we might never say to someone face to face, unfortunately, sometimes we are too quick to just put that little jab out there, um, to just say that thing that we would never really say had we stopped to think and ask for the presence of the Holy Spirit. And then we can go to the Bible, because the Bible has a lot to say about controlling our tongue. Uh, there's a reason for that, because I, I really since about Genesis 3, when we have Adam and Eve doing all the finger pointing, you know, who got them into trouble in the first place, kind of a thing. We have a tendency to speak quickly and without thought, and that's why it's in the Bible so many times. In the wisdom literature, James, by the way, is considered part of the wisdom literature in the New Testament, but also the book of Proverbs. Um, there are so many Proverbs, these little short, pithy sayings that help us to remember. I've given you a list of, of, of a number of those. There's a lot more than that, but there's a number of those um, in the bulletin. But I want to give you a couple of them. So Proverbs 13.3 says, He that keeps his mouth keeps his life, but he that opens wide his lips shall have destruction. And then in Proverbs 21, 23, whoever keeps his mouth and tongue keeps his soul from troubles. But a word for you and I, even as wise as the wisdom literature is, even as wise as all those Proverbs are, you and I, if we carry the name Christian, are held to a higher standard. It isn't just are the words helpful. Here's the question that we have to ask ourselves. How does what I am saying affect my witness for Christ in this moment and in the world around me? There is more at stake here than just me exercising my right to free speech. There is more at stake here than just my own need to be right. There is more at stake than my need to correct the wrong thinking of someone else. Friends, we are ambassadors for Christ, and the world is watching. You may have heard the story, I heard it first when I was in College Station, of the person sitting in their car at a red light, and, and the light turned green, and the person in front of them, oh, they just weren't moving fast enough, and they started laying on that horn and revving their engine, and I don't know, showing them some gestures with their hand to try to help them move along the way a little bit. They were just making quite the scene, and as they pulled through the light, there was a policeman behind them, and the policeman pulled them over, and the person was like, now what? What did I do? And the policeman, after looking for license and registration,